Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, Will T, and the homie Ray Jeezy is out, and we are part of Empire Media at AmpireMedia.com. Will T, what's good, my man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, my brother? I'm here, man. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 a yeah, wild day, man. What, I mean, that was very un was very unenthusiastic, man. What you trying to say? Like, what you mean? Like, I I was a hype. I didn't sound good. I mean, what you trying to say? Yeah, your response was very unenthusiastic. Was it really? Yeah, man. Let's get the energy right, man. It's Tuesday. Talking sports. I mean, specifically baseball trade deadline. A lot went on today. You Team that's up uh, 95, the Orioles and local hometown team, Washington Nationals. So I'm ready to discuss uh, discuss everything. Yeah, man, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hyped, man. This, this episode is called the Urban Sports Scene Beltway Baseball Swag. So we there, man. We here. We here, bro. We here. Absolutely, man. You know what I'm saying? We're in August now, so less than um, less than 45 days away from. Um, Everyone's Sunday religion. Yeah. Oh, ball. Yeah. yeah. It's coming. It's coming. It definitely is. But you know, I'm an old fan. I'm excited. You're a Nats fan. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, you're on a different, different I'm level. Not, I'm not excited. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I tried to be PC with it, bro. I tried, like, there's, there's younger players coming up. So you, there should be some excitement, right, Will T? For a Nats fan. A I mean, player. the shit, and, I mean, and we'll get into it we'll later into on. It, in theory, yeah. it should be, but, yeah. you know, you traded away uh, the all-star, you know, yeah. a guy who's a all who's having an all-star season, Josh Bell, and the guy who made the all-star team and Juan Soto. Yeah. So, um, you know. Yeah, but we'll get into it. Like you said, we'll get into it. Hey, yeah. Empire Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows, such as the John Kahn Report. Hosted by ESPN, Washington Commanders Insider John Kime, and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today Insider Mike Jones. You can subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. And don't forget to subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. Hit, us, hit, hit that subscribe button and also hit us with a few likes. It's always good for us when you hit us with a few likes on our, on our videos. Um... Sh- also, um, this show could be found on Podcast DC, the local app, uh, with hundreds of options in local news and health in the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Empire shows, as well as other great content. Don't forget to tweet Wole and Ray at Urban Sports Team. Just know that I'm not on 
social media, anything. So if you get a response, it's from one of those guys. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Let's get into our tradition, the pregame. Here's what we have on tap. Uh, we'll talk about the Baltimore Orioles trading outfielder and first baseman Trey Mancini and closer Jorge Lopez. Uh, new to the show, Josh Lynn from Birds Watcher will jump on as a guest. Finally, Talk Nats Kevin Nibley will jump on the show to talk about the Nats trading away Juan Soto to the San Diego Padres. But first, right now we have site expert for Birds Watcher Josh Lynn on the line. What's up, Josh, and welcome to the Urban Sports Scene. Hey, hey, how, am I, how you doing, my guys? Nice to be on. Great to have you on, my man. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure. Great to have you on, man. Hey, but so before, help, help us make some sense. <laughs> help us make some sense of what of what went on at the trade deadline for these Orioles. I know Wole wants to get into it. But, yeah, before I do that, um, I, want him, I want him to get you know plug his stuff, though. We'll get into that, though. Let's plug him. Let's exactly, him plug yeah. His stuff, you know what I'm saying? Uh, before we get started, could you tell our listeners about Birdwatcher? Absolutely. We are the Baltimore Orioles affiliate for fan-sided. So any Baltimore Orioles content you need, come to us. We got a, a lot of great contributors who have recently joined the team. Got a lot of areas to, uh, covered. You can get major league analysis. We had some really good draft recaps. So we're a one-stop shop for all Orioles content. So I definitely recommend it if you're into that. That, that Hey, Will, now go with your question. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Uh, Josh. Help us make sense <laughs> yeah. out of what the hell went on with the Orioles or at the trade deadline, because this is a team that's 52 and 51, right? Um, exceeded everyone's expectations, but you, you traded away a guy who um, for the most part has been kind of a stalwart through the tough times. I'm referring to Trey Mancini who came back um, last year um, and was the comeback player of the year. Just help, help us make sense of everything. Sure. So the Mancini trade was always going to be a polarizing one, given what you said. He has been, uh, and I wrote about this yesterday, uh, basically the last remaining connection between the last time the Orioles were good mm. to now, uh, which was 2016. He came up in that uh, September call-up period in 2016 and actually uh, hit, I believe it was three home runs uh, during the last two weeks of the season. And, helped the Orioles clinch a wildcard berth, but he didn't make the postseason roster. And then he's entrenched himself in the community with so many different charitable works. I know he took over Adam Jones uh, tailgate at the Ravens game, Uh, you know, and then obviously the, everything that he's gone through in his personal life with the cancer battle in the last, you know, few years, uh, everybody in, you know, Orioles fandom is familiar with um, Mo Gabba, who was a, a young kid who would always used to, call into Baltimore sports radio ingrained himself with the team. Uh, Trey had a great relationship with him. So there's just a lot of emotional connection there that makes it hard to process. Um, now on a baseball note, it, I I can see why the Orioles did it. Uh, Michael Elias has been pretty clear since he took over what the, what the plan was and, and pretty much everything he's done has been in accordance with what he envisions long-term. And Mancini was going to be a free agent coming up and his offense has, it's not enough for a primary designated hitter, I would argue on a competitive team. So 
from that standpoint, you know, I can see wanting to get value, the value back. Uh, the Lopez trade, well, I guess we'll get into that. Um, but was I was actually a little more befuddled by that than the Mancini trade, to be honest with you. Yeah, we'll get into the Lopez trade, but can you tell uh, tell our listeners about some of the prospects they got in return? Absolutely. So as far as the uh, Trey Mancini trade, they got uh, it was a three team deal. The Rays got, got in there at the last second. We got right handed pitcher Chase McDermott from the Houston system. He was in their high A, uh, mid nineties fastball with a good curveball. Uh, I've seen some limited video of him. The slider looks okay, kind of flat. Uh, had a 5.50 ERA in high A, but he had a, a ridiculous strikeout rate. Uh, he was over 14 strikeouts for nine innings, and it seems pretty clear that Elias has a type when it comes to uh, pitchers. He loves guys with high strikeout rates, and even if they have other flaws, which uh, McDermott has a a walk rate over five per nine innings, which is a bit of an issue, and but they seem to be confident in their ability to mold those guys, uh, he was the Astros 12th ranked prospect, uh, before the trade. And then from the Rays, they got Seth Johnson, who was another right-handed pitcher. Who's very intriguing. He was the number eight prospect in their system, which was ranked second in major league baseball behind the Orioles prior to yesterday. He was uh, the 40th overall pick in 2019, had a career 281 ERA in 137 and two thirds minor league innings with 172 strikeouts. So another guy, uh, who strikes out more than one per inning. Uh, high 90s fastball, absolute hammer of a curveball. Uh, slider looked good. However, he is just about to undergo Tommy John surgery. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there is an added added risk, obviously, even with the advancement of medicine and you know, the increased success rate from Tommy John, but he's going to be out for a year. Uh, he's also Rule 5 eligible, so he'll have to be protected. Okay going into this offseason, but the the upside is there. Uh, and in terms of what you can expect from, like I said, a primary designated hitter who's a, a free agent, um, they couldn't have really expected to get more, I would argue. I think it was a, a shrewd piece of business strictly from a baseball perspective for Mancini. So, so Josh, you know, Mancini's gone. Who gets those at-bats for this team? Sure. Uh, I think, well, a lot, a lot of people assumed it would be Kyle Stowers, who is a top 10 Orioles prospect. He's a triple A, but he is still currently in triple A. Um, and then they just acquired Brett Phillips from Tampa, who was designated for assignment. So I think he's a candidate to get some of those at bats. Uh, I think the DH spot will be used a lot more for, to give guys rest. So you can see, I think you'll see a lot more Radley Rutschman there. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, Santander, obviously. Um, Stowers, I think he will get called. Really, will get some at bats there. Uh, and Yusniel Diaz just got called up to replace Mancini on the roster, so he could be a candidate as well. Okay. So, all right. So, you're listening to the Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media, EmpireMedia.com. Right now, we're wrapping with Josh Lynn from Birds Watcher. All right, Josh. Early, um, the the Orioles also traded closer Jorge Lopez to the Minnesota Twins. WTF, what happened there, and what did the Orioles get in return for him? I know that they got four pitching, pro- four young pitching prospects. Could, could you, could you give the fans a little bit more information about those prospects if you have any? Sure, 
Sure, man. I swear, I would imagine the last two days, Michael Elias in the front office, I, I imagine he was a lot like Shawn Michaels against Ric Flair at WrestleMania, <laughs> like, cool, super kick him. Just kind of like, I'm sorry, I love you. I like it's that just, one. yeah. I like that. Just rip the Band-Aid off. But uh, anyway, so for the return, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a surprise, uh, given he was just an all-star. He's been a dominant closer. Had to make it. You could tell he had the makings of a closer if you watched him as even as a starter last year. Uh-huh. So, and I, I honestly thought, you know, we're pretty close to our competitive window. I think this year is showing that pretty clearly. Uh-huh. So, and I thought he could have been an asset for future competitive teams. So, yeah, that, that doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But at the same time, you could, if you're the front, Orioles front office, the entire bullpen is made up largely of waiver claims or, reclamation projects from other systems so they're probably feeling really confident that they can find some other guys and turn them into similar relievers uh-huh. so and well, that aspect and that go ahead no josh you mentioned something about this front office's confidence and being able to mold you know the younger prospects that they're getting in the mancini trade and then also yep. mold the arms that they have in the bullpen currently um, yes. Or that uh, that will be migrating through their system. <clears throat> Just from your perspective, you know, the fan perspective, do you think that this overconfidence is deserved or do you think it's a little bit premature? So when it comes to bullpen arms, I, I think it's justified. If you look, this bullpen has been a top two or three bullpen in Major League Baseball this year. And like I said, it's guys, you know, Felix Batista, bounced around several organizations before he ended up in Baltimore. Uh, Lopez did the same. Cianel Perez was a waiver claim. Brian Baker was a waiver claim. Uh, Dylan Tate was a actually, I think he was the fourth overall pick in his draft class, but his star had faded and he was a bit of a, you know, reclamation project to a degree. They've also had a, you know, shown an aptitude of, helping develop starters like Kyle Bradish has become a completely different prospect since he's come over from the angels. So I think it's, it's justified. And uh, that track record, you could also argue goes back to their days in Houston as well. So, so also, um, also Josh, can you tell us about some of the, the, uh, the prospects they did receive though from um, the, Oh yeah. No, you're t- I'm sorry. From the, um, now I'm having a moment. Uh, <laughs> who they receive, who they get them from? The, from- Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota Twins. Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I went on a tangent there. No, 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 you're good, Josh. No, you're good. So... We'll, we'll ask a good, a good question. <laughs> you went off of that. No, no, you're good. All good. Uh, so the headliner appears to be Kate Povich, who uh, no relation to Maury that I'm aware. Oh, God. You're the father. Uh, he's a <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> the results are in. Uh, he <laughs> – He's a lefty, uh, 22 years old. It was also another guy pitching at high A. Fangrass has slotted him in as the number 19 prospect for the Orioles. Uh, but again, you have to consider we have a really deep farm system, so that's not as 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 mids, for the lack of a better term, as another team. Uh, he has a 4.46 ERA, but his uh, his fielding independent pitching, which basically just calculates what a pitcher's ERA would be if they play behind an average defense, is. 340. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, another uh, strikeout guy, 31.8% of the batters he's faced this year have been retired via strikeout, but doesn't have the velocity you'd expect. He sits in the low 90s, but his curve and slider, from what I've seen, are legit major league pitches. They are very, very good. 
Uh, I've heard good things about his changeup as well. So given that profile, if everything turns out, he could end up being a number four, number five starting pitcher. Um, uh, forgive me for if I butcher his first name. Henier Cano is a 28-year-old reliever who pitched for the Twins this year, 13 and two-thirds innings, uh, but had uh, really big problems controlling the ball. Had 11 walks in 13.2 innings. Uh, I believe his ERA is over nine, but he had a uh, 307 career ERA in the minors. And again, another guy who strikes out more than one per inning. Uh, the other two arms they got were uh, summer league prospects. So we don't really have a lot of data on them yet, but just two, two more projectable arms uh, in a player development system that again is really confident that they can make the best out of everybody to get. So do you think they, they, you know, did well in that trade? Like a steal, knowing that Lopez, I believe this is last year in this deal anyway, where he was going through arbitration one or the other. So do you think that, like, this is like a steal in terms of the move that you know, Elias made? I I wouldn't consider it a steal. I think this is one – it seems that they're high on Povich, and he may be kind of a rising stock guy. So I think this is a deal that's going to be better judged in a year or two from now. Uh, and my initial reaction is kind of, yeah, like you said, WTF. Um, he could have, he easily could have helped us to in the next two or three years. And I believe he's under team control until 2025 or 2026. Yeah, I, think I think it's arbitration. Yeah, it's yeah that's correct. Right. Yeah, that's right. I think it's arbitration. Yeah. yeah. He's going to get paid a lot of money due to the fact that this season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the the first time I've kind of questioned a move that Elias has made, but the from what I've seen of Povich and looking at his his stats, he's definitely an, an intriguing option. But just gonna have to wait and see how he develops. So, who do you think who slides into All the right. role as a closer? Uh, I I think it's gonna be Felix Batista. Okay. He uh, got a little bit of a taste when Lopez struggled, uh, funnily enough, against the Twins in early July. He blew, uh, I believe it was three straight saves, two to the Twins. Yeah. Um, just an absolute mountain of a human being. Throws 99 to 101 with a splitter that looks like it got cooked up in a lab somewhere. It's just ridiculously freaky, man. Like, it's just watching him pitch is so much fun. And he has control of both of the pitches. Has been dominant. How did I? Gave up a home run to Brandon Jury the other day against Cincinnati, but but um, he's the clear option, I would say, to take over the role. Dylan Tate has been a really good uh, reliever for us as well. Uh, I believe his sinker is one of the most, in terms of outs above average, was one of the very best individual pitches in Major League Baseball. Uh-huh. But um, I, I think so he could be another option, but Batista, I would assume, is going to get first crack. And, and real quick, too, also before Will goes, well, I do have one more question. Um, for, like, for me, I, the only reason why I can, like, I, I, I'm with you. I thought, like, wow, like, Lopez was, like, dominant this season as a, as a closer. But Batista is the reason why I was thinking, like, because I've seen, seen Batista pitch, and I'm like, oh, he just looks the part. Like, if you're going to trade yeah. Lopez, I know I, I, I was speaking to somebody like a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about Lopez could be traded, but it probably would, it wouldn't be this season. We're, talk, we're talking about, like, in the next couple of seasons. But it was because of Batista, because of how dominant his stuff is. Like, I think that because you have Batista, it allows you to kind of think about trading Lopez. That was just my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. And just the overall depth of the bullpen as well. 
is another reason why I think they might have been able to <clears throat> make that deal without too much of uh, too much pain. Uh-huh. But it just to see, you know, what a revelation he's been so far making the All Star team. Another guy with a great backstory yeah. that the uh, it was very very well liked in the clubhouse was a little tough, but you know, this is this that's trade deadline is where uh fandom and your analytical brain don't mix very well. Facts. <laughs> Facts. Will All right, Josh. Got two questions for you. Here's the first one. Can I interest you in an outfielder who struck out eighty five times out of hundred and eighty four at bats, who's hitting one forty seven with five home runs and 14 RBIs in 75 games this year. Who is that? <laughs> that would be I, I Brett Phillips. That, that, oh. that would be Brett Phillips, the outfielder that oh, you guys yeah, just yeah, right. acquired. <laughs> yeah. He hits well against the Orioles. Yeah. Though. He hits well against the Orioles, though. He does. And he's got a great laugh. <laughs> All right. Um, the second question. No, go ahead. Go ahead. If you no, have some yeah, more, well, you know, some more information about him. Short answer, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was confusing. I just I thought know. that it was the precursor to, like, maybe Santander was getting traded. But to me, he's just – like, Ryan McKenna's the same player. He's a – like, I mean, Phillips is a great outfielder defensively but, and with very little bat, but so is McKenna. So it's just – yeah, I, to have two players like that, and again, I don't think Phillips is a guy that is going to be a postseason roster candidate. So, yeah, I, Yolo, I guess. But <laughs> I like, hey, I like Diaz. Right. I like and, Diaz. So I'm just, I've been, I've been a Diaz supporter for a while. So it is just, I'm probably the minority though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would love to see him come good, especially given that he was the headliner of the Machado trade. Exactly, that's why. He's a lot of that's, that's why. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, and he's had a lot of issues with injuries, so it would be nice to see him strike some, yeah. you know, major league games together without without getting hurt and able to produce. I know, he's been gassed up for so long about how, how he was such a prized jewel in a, in a Dodgers organization. Wow. Plays yeah, the, he was a top, I think, 60 prospect yes, at the time. Yes, he was. I know. I've been waiting for a long. I've been waiting since that trade. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you want to talk about a trade that screwed my emotions? That was, yeah, that was bad. That was a bad day when we traded Manny. It was a. It was a terrible day. It was a terrible day. It really was. I'm still. I'm still not getting. I'm still not over it. Hey, I'm sorry, Will. Go no. Ahead. So. <laughs> yeah. Make, yeah, uh, yeah. All right. Now, taking everything that we talked about and considering where the Orioles are, you know, fifty-two and fifty-one. Um, they're in the wild card race, the AL wild card race. Are you surprised with the moves that they made over the past five days? So when looking at them as a whole, no, because, you know, Elias has preached about what his vision for the team is and how everything is a long play. And I think if you gave him truth serum, he would tell you that he is absolutely stunned by what's happening this year. So I guess in a way he deserves credit for not letting this make him, you know, do any impulse moves or mortgaging any talent for a guy, you know, players who may walk via free agency or may not be worth the price. But um, it's, 
and you know, we're no worse off for the future after these trades. It's just kind of takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails when we have the first fun team that we, the Orioles have had since 2016. And then, uh, you know, to trade Mancini and Lopez. Uh, but looking at it from 30,000 feet, it's, you know, understandable. And the, uh, you know, the farm system is the best in baseball. We still have a ton of good young players who are due to come up. So um, I wouldn't call it a success, but it just kind of business as usual for Elias and company. Well, hey, Josh, it's been, you know, you've been dope, my, dope, my man. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Before we let you go, could you tell our listeners how they can find you and uh, Birds Watcher on social media? Absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at JJ Lynn JJ. That's L I N N. And then you can follow Birds Watcher on Twitter at Birds Watcher FS. Hey, Josh, we're going to have, right, we have to have you back. I greatly on, appreciate man. you, man. Definitely. We're going to have to have you back on, man. I'm the Orioles fan, so I'm definitely going to have you back on. So I'm going to let you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad we can make this happen. I know. It's probably going to be when Will and Ray are out because they like Nat stuff. So I don't like to like bombard them with Nat stuff because it's not fair. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's all good, man. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not that it's not fair. It's you know, like it's all good. You know, you're going through a lot. Listen, right now. Okay. I, 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 I know I won't be talking about this team being competitive for at least three years. Oh, the Nats? The yeah. minimum. So that's true. Three that's years. That's yeah. True. So yeah. So actually I can actually can I can have the show talk about the auras because since we are like competitive at the moment. Like at the moment we're competitive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So Josh, you'll be back on. <laughs> yeah. So you will be back absolutely, on. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I, absolutely. Hey Josh, thanks again, my man. Yes, I sir. Appreciate and, uh, enjoy Josh, the candy core. Right. <laughs> yeah, appreciate. Have a good one. All right, thanks, All man. Right. Yeah. All right. yeah. Again, make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at JJ Lynn. That's L I N N J J. Again, at JJ Lynn. That's L I N N J J. And Birds Watchers. That's at Bird. I mean, Birds Watcher. That's at Birds Watcher. That's at B I R D S W A T C H E R F S. All right. All right. Earlier today, yep. Earlier today, the Nets traded Juan Soto to the San Diego Padres along with Josh Bell. We'll talk Nets with Kevin Nibley. Um, we'll jump on the show to discuss this, discuss this trade after the break. It's the Urban Sports thing. About Aegis. You dig? Deuces. On Empire Media. That's EmpireMedia.com. You know it's all about the
You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with myself, Ole, and the homie Will T. We're still waiting on our guests. You know what I'm saying? But we'll just wrap up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And, for the, and also for the listeners out there, I, I do want to, you know, y'all heard my, my Adam Cole thing, like, back to back. I like that song. I watch wrestling, so I like I like his introduction, so I like to play that for the I was talking about wrestling, man. We haven't had a, we haven't had a chance to talk about the genetic jackhammer stepping down. Oh, I know, How right? Miss McMahon, dude. Yeah, man. It, it, I mean, obviously the the stuff that was out there was damning. You know what I mean? It was terrible stuff. Um, but I mean, if you watch the product, I felt like it was needed. I felt like Vince McMahon got stale. Um, you know, it's hard to say that for a guy who kind of started the whole wrestling business in terms of making as popular as it is today. I know a lot of people don't want to give him his flowers, um, but you just got to I mean, it. I'm, you got to be a realist. Like, wrestling would have never been as popular without Vince McMahon. You know what I'm saying? At any point, what he did. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah, what he did was wrong, but in terms of the business of wrestling, yeah, you can give somebody their flowers in terms of what they've done for the business of wrestling. Like, he made wrestling popular. He made the, He brought it to pop culture. With you know, look at the mid '90s, man. Like early when, when, when Hulk Hogan, even early eight, like late in the '80s, to the to the mid '90s of what you got with Stone Cold and The Rock and the DX. You know what I mean? So he's, I mean, he's an icon in terms of the, of the pro of pro wrestling. Now, in terms of what he what he's done in terms of the, you know, you know, with with with, with the sexual allegations and whatnot. That's what that's what it is, you know what I mean. So, but in terms of the, we talking about wrestling. Yeah, he's an icon. And uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't. I thought it was a stunt. Oh, did you, you know, really? Like, I, I used to watch wrestling. Yeah, I, I used to watch wrestling when I was younger. Uh huh. And you know, like yeah. I, I, I remember one time that he. There was a stunt where, like, there was a car that was blown up with him in it, and oh. then the following week he came out, right? Like, yeah. um, so I thought it was—I thought this was like a stunt, and he oh. would, you know, come out or emerge. But we can—we could talk more about this later. Yeah, later. Because um, I know that our guest just joined us. Yeah. So let me introduce Kevin. You. How's it going, man? Hey, y'all. How's it going? Good, good. Let me introduce you properly, though, Kevin. Right. We have Kevin Nibley from Talk Nats on the line. Kevin, we'll always say what's good, but yeah, we're glad to have you on, my man. Yeah, thanks as always for having me, guys. All right, man, let's get right into it, man. It's a sad day for national fans. They <laughs> traded the young superstar, a once-in-a-lifetime supernova talent, potentially. Juan Soto and first baseman, who should have been an all-star this year, Josh Bell to the San Diego <laughs> Padres. First off, who did the Nets receive in this trade? Um, yeah, yeah, it's a sad day. Um, but hopefully a day that can be a silver lining in a few years because the Nets did receive uh, some good young players. Uh, they got C.J. Abrams, uh, who is a shortstop, left-handed hitting shortstop. Uh, he was a top 10 prospect coming into the season. Um, and he's got elite speed. So if everything works out, that could in theory, be your Trey Turner replacement, you know, someone who could hit lead off, uh, steal a bunch of bases, uh, hopefully kind of develop power like Trey did as he gets further into his major league career. Um, they also got Mackenzie Gore, who's a left-handed uh, starting pitcher. Um, he was doing great. I know. Uh, I had him on my fancy team. I had him on my fancy team. Yeah. Too. Yep. Another one. Never mind. 
he the the question mark with him, he he has a little bit of an elbow issue that that came up. Um, but uh, I guess you know the Nats were comfortable with his medicals. They looked at it. He seems okay, you know, in terms of like not having a major injury. Uh, you know, the theory. I think Mike Rizzo said this today during his press conference is that maybe he hit, uh, he hit a wall. At, uh, you know, the season he had worked that many innings. Um, but you know, I mean, if you look at him in June, I think you know he had an ERA of one and a half. So that's potentially a, a pretty good starting rotation piece. Um, they got Robert Hassel, who's the Padres' number one prospect in the minors. Um, another lefty outfielder. Um, He'll either play center, he'll probably start off in center field when he first comes up, and then, you know, we'll see if he could play center or if they'll move him to a corner. Um, but, you know, uh, he, uh, some, pro, or excuse me, some scouts thought he had like one of the best uh, hit tools in the 2020 draft. So that's a pretty big prospect they got back. He, you know, him and Abrams and Gore would, uh, would headline the deal. Uh, and then they got James Wood. He's farther away. Um, the first three guys I mentioned, um, they'll, you know, Gore and uh, Abrams will be up right away, uh, or, you know, Gore when he's healthy. Hassel probably at some point next season. Uh, Wood's only an A ball, uh, so but he's uh, a lefty, kind of like an Aaron Judge frame. He's 6'7", 240 pounds, uh, really elite power tool uh, and really elite speed tool. So he's not, not unlike... Uh, you know, green, uh, who the Nats just drafted where, you know, if he hits, uh, you know, he could be an outfield bat, uh, you know, like 30, 30 kind of guy. Um, and then, uh, the more interesting prospect, they got uh, a guy by the name of, uh, Yarlin Susanna, who, uh, is an 18 year old Dominican. Um, Mike Rizzo brought him up in the press conference today. He really loves him. Uh, he's only, uh, you know, he, he, he's, he hasn't like, he's not even in the minor leagues yet. Um, but, uh, what he has done so far, uh, Rizzo's really impressed with him. He's six, six power pitcher. Um, and Rizzo said he wanted him so badly that that's what made him include, uh, Josh Bell in the deal that the Padres wouldn't have given them Susanna without Josh Bell being in the, de- uh, being in the deal. Um, and then Luke Voigt, who some of you remember, he was on the Yankees. He hit like 20 home runs yeah, yeah. Uh, during the COVID season. Not a bad, you know, he, the Nats will control him for two more seasons after this. So not a bad little throw in. Originally, when the trade came out, the it was reported Eric Hosmer is going to be coming Hossmer, to uh, the Nats. I I guess, he was going, yeah, yeah Hosmer, yeah. He declined it, right? He yeah, that's, yeah what, he, that's what I thought also. Yeah, so it ended up becoming Luke Voigt. Yeah, he declined it. I guess he didn't want to go to a rebuilding team. He ended up going to Boston. Uh-huh. Uh, so Luke Voigt came back instead. Um, but those are the players, uh, you know, uh, five prospects and Luke Voigt. Uh, you know, for Soto and Bell, I, I don't think it's that bad of a haul, to be honest. I know I know a lot of fans do. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if the Nats are in the playoffs and two years, then, you know, all will be forgiven. And, and don't forget, they still have that $440 million Watt sort of didn't want. Um, I, I'm sure they can find some other free agents that might want to take it. I like how you threw that in. I like, I like how you threw that in. <laughs> all right, Kev, let me, let me ask you this. So let's just looking back on this team from three years ago, right? This is a team that mm-hmm. had Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, uh, Trey Turner, Matt Scherzer, um, and Anthony Rendon. So th- those are five guys who you probably would say during a, a two, you know, during a 90, during, I was, well, from 2016 
through possibly through 2019, these guys were some of the top players, not only in their position, but in the league. This team has been totally stripped down, right? So what is the message mm-hmm. that the management and ownership is sending to the fan base? I mean, right now it's a tough message. You know, there's no, you know, this, this team isn't, obviously they've been horrible this year. Uh, they were horrible last year uh, after, you know, the deadline when they traded uh, uh, Scherzer and, and Trey. I, you know, I, I think some, I don't have it right in front of me. I think someone tweeted this in the last day or so. It's like since last year's trade deadline, you know, the Nats have been like 50 and 110 or just, just something remarkably bad since the teardown where they moved out Trey and Max and Schwarber and all these guys. Um, you know, the message they're sending a fan, it's a tough message. Uh you know, but it's a rebuild and, and uh, it, it's a scorched earth rebuild. And, and while it's not uh, fun to be a fan of a team going through that, you know, when you look, though, historically at what's worked in terms of building big, long windows, what the Nats are doing works. It's, it's what the Nats did the first time, uh, you know, 20, or 2009, they were awful. 2010, they were bad. Uh, 2011, they started to get better. And obviously everyone remembers 2012 where they turned a corner and, you know, they had a, a great run for almost a decade. Uh, the Houston Astros, the Chicago Cubs, uh, these are all teams that really tanked for a while. And then, you know, through that tanking, through making trades, uh, your combination of draft picks and, and bringing back prospects from other teams and trades, they were able to open up these big, long windows. So I, I do think ultimately that's what Mike Rizzo is trying to do here. Um, but it, there's really no message you can give to, especially to the casual fan. It's one thing if you're, you know, someone who goes to talk naps, you're, you're a, a hardcore baseball fan, you know about these prospects. You know, those kind of fans are actually probably a little happy today. But the casual baseball fan, there's, there's no, there's nothing to tell them. I mean, obviously, you know, you've traded away all of the faces of the franchise and, you know, and, and it is one of those things when you come to that park and you look at those giant posters by the parking garage, you know, I don't know who they're going to put on those right away. You know, I mean, it, it's a total tear down, but you know, it should bear some fruit before too long. All right. Well, let me ask you this with a possible uh, change in ownership. Does it, it, from the outside looking in, it looks a little bit similar to kind of what Jeffrey Loria did in Florida with the in Miami with the Marlins to kind of what the learners are doing with this team, right? You win a national, win a mm-hmm. win a World Series, then you tear tail down, de- deconstruct the roster, and then you know you fail. I mean, do you mm-hmm. think that's a fair assessment, or you think that's a little bit off, or my perspective uh... off? I, I, you know, look, I, I think you, you could say that. Um, and I, I have heard some people say that one of my, one of my buddies sent me a text this morning saying that he was sorry. And it was like, quote unquote, watching the Marlins in slow motion, you know, <laughs> saying like, <laughs> that the Nats did in two years, what you know, or, or three years, what the Marlins did in you know, just one off season. I, you know, but the way I looked at it, I don't, I, I'm not, quite that hard on it. I, I think what happened is Strasburg. You know, you look at it, the, the things that happened was they win the World Series. Um, you know, they have to decide to either sign Strasburg or Rendon to a huge contract. Okay. And uh, they choose Strasburg. You know, he was the World Series MVP. That made some sense. Um, 
you know, looking back now, both those deals were horrible. You know, the the, the correct move would have yeah, been to let go. You know, but 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 they didn't. They they picked one. They picked Strasburg, and 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 he's been hurt. And and I think, you know, it's not a coincidence that uh, last trade deadline, right before, was when the Nats found out that uh, you know Strasburg had that like uh, TOS uh, thing with his shoulder, like a really serious injury. He may never be the same pitcher again. Once that happened, the wheels for all this went in motion. I, I don't think if Strasburg had just had a normal injury and it wasn't potentially a career-altering injury, uh, then I don't think they'd probably go so hard moving Trey and Max and then this year Soto. You know, I think at that point they realized, you know, we owe Strasburg a ton of money. He may never pitch again. And then also Patrick Corbin turned into a pumpkin and it's been horrible and they still owe him money. So I, I think when they had, you know, they're paying uh, almost $60 million a year to one pitcher who doesn't pitch. And then another pitcher uh, who does pitch, but is one of the worst starters in the league kind of wants that materialized last year. And, and that situation unfortunately hasn't changed this year. They really didn't have a choice, but to tear it down and rebuild. And, and that's the way I look at it. But I get, I get that, a casual fan and that most fans are going to be really angry and, and that there is going to be a price to pay um, in terms of, I mean, attendance hasn't been great <laughs> anyway, but it, there's going to be even more of a price to pay. And I also, but I also do think that the new ownership, I could see the new ownership wanting the learners to take care of this before the new ownership comes in. So the new ownership could probably come in a soft season and quote unquote, be the good guy, maybe sign a few free agents and get people into it again. Um, so I, I don't think it's exactly what Jeffrey Loria did down in Miami, where he just gutted a World Series team just to save a few bucks. I don't see it quite that way. All right. Well, let me ask you this, because you brought up two very interesting names, and you kind of took – I want to take the, the conversation in that direction. Strasburg, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. With those two guys and the amount of money that and the years that are on their contract, does this kind of delay – the rebuilding process because you have that much payroll allocated to two guys who are, let's just be honest, um, extremely unaffect, um, ineffective right now. Um, well, it, I, the, so my answer to that question would be uh, actually if they re-sign Juan Soto, let's say to some $40 million a year, 10 year deal, let's say they give him 400 million for 10 years. And then you also have 60 million going to Strasburg and Corbin then yeah, that would probably re, uh, delay the rebuilding process for about uh, two to three years because uh, you you own or excuse, I think they have Corbin on the books for two more years. Strasburg, unfortunately, I believe is uh, three more or four more years after this, so they're they're going to owe Strasburg for a while. But with what they just did with Soto um, and Bell, and they also have Will Harris coming off. Uh, after the season who never even really pitched <laughs> I think he might have pitched one game or two in twenty twenty, but he's barely even pitched for Nats. You know, between those three guys, um, you know, that's close to, to forty million dollars, uh, give or take, coming off the books. Um, you know, basically their payroll's pretty clear. I mean, yes, they owe Corbin for two more years and yes they owe Strasbourg, but that's sixty million and they're not spending any money anywhere else really other than guys on league minimum deals. Um, so, so they, if they did decide uh, to spend, I think they would have the room and, you know, to spend next year and then 
really 2024 to me would seem like when this team would be ready to start taking off. Um, so I, I do think the move they did today actually helps them in the future in terms of their payroll and having a lot of flexibility to go out and get someone. So, so, All so right. oh, you got it, you, you Will? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, you're listening to the Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media. That's EmpireMedia.com. Right now, we have Nets Talk, Kevin Nibley on the line. So, yeah. Um, All right, let go, me ask you. Oh, go, Will. Go, Will. Go, go. I was going to ask you one more question, um, This and this is regarding Soto and his legacy in D.C. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we know that he was one of the guys who helped power this team towards that 2019 um World Series championship, and then we know during the COVID abbreviated season, um, you know he had a uh, what he had he had a great you know he had a, a great season. What do you think his legacy will be as a as a net? Do you think he'll be loved, or do you think he'll be hated in this town? Uh, I think he'll be loved. You know, if it was New York or maybe. Uh, Boston or some other kind of maybe a Philly for sure, right? Like like maybe a little bit of a rougher place in terms yeah. of how the fans are. I, I think they'd probably boo them. I, you know, for me, I mean, I'm an Nats fan uh, more than anything. You know, I could never boo the guy. I mean, he straight up won you a World Series. Um, I mean, he hit a home run off of the, the Nats had never been past the division series. And they're about to lose to L.A. and Clayton Kershaw's coming out, like, about to save the game. And he just takes – he's 20 years old at the time and just takes Clayton Kershaw about, like, 430 feet, you know, and changes the whole Nats, uh, uh, you know, narrative. He Sorry, I forget the the Brewers game before that. You know, Nats are about to lose to the Brewers, and he has that hit off of Josh Hader – uh, you know, and, and they get over that hump and then a team really takes off. Um, so, I mean, he, he's a great player, a great clutch player. I mean, I would just say if, if you're a Nats fan, to make yourself feel better, I mean, the Nats didn't break up with Juan Soto. Juan Soto and Scott Boris broke up with the Nats. I mean, the Nats offered him $440 million and they didn't even make a counter offer. So I just think he wanted to go – you know, to free agency, want to test the market. He's going to want, you know, 10, 15 teams all bidding for him. And he's going to want to set the salary record, you know, which he probably will if he stays healthy in two off seasons and, and where the Nats were as a franchise, they couldn't do that. And that's just the business of baseball. But I don't think that affects his legacy. I mean, he, he brought the Nats a title and who knows, maybe if the Nats get a deep pocketed owner. And in two years, I mean, if you watch the score right now, they're beating Jacob DeGrand four to one. <laughs> These kids are hitting home runs. Are they really? He was just throwing know. 102. Yeah. Maybe. Was, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Are they really? Maybe, he was just maybe, throwing 102 miles per hour. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in two years, maybe in two years when some of these kids are up looking good, you know, deep pocketed owner says, Hey, Juan, like here's, you know, $600 million when I come back. I don't know. You know, it's, it's I don't think it's, I don't think he'll have a dark legacy in DC at all. I mean, he, he won a title and, and, you know, and as we all know, as DC sports fans, there haven't been a lot of titles, you know, so, and, you know, anyone from the 2019 Nats or, yeah. you know, the, the 2018 caps, it's really hard to, it's hard to hate, you know, it's hard to hate them, you know? So, yeah. So do you think that, so Kev, do you think that, um, mm-hmm. uh, Davey Gar- Dave, Martinez is the guy that kind of lead this new young crop? <laughs> I think that's the question. I, I mean, I, look, I mean, all this talk about, well, it's 
I hear all I this love, talk. I, I'm, I, I'm like, I hear all this talk about how it's okay because they have they they lost this player, they lost that player, but they were producing with this manager. So I'm saying now he has a young crop, like he has guys to mold. Can he? Is he the manager to lead this team, this new generation of Nets players to the promised land? I love how every time I come on, you work in like a JV Martinez. All right, I will. I'm consistent. You know why? Because I'm consistent. I'm consistent. Uh, you are. Yeah. I. You know. I. I wouldn't blame if a new owner comes in. I wouldn't blame a new owner for wanting to start fresh. You know. Um, so I would say that both Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez's jobs aren't exactly 100% safe. Thank you. I don't, that's all I'm saying. Rizzo, I don't think is, is that bad. I don't have anything against oh. Rizzo. Personally, I don't. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I had to think of my phone for a second. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Rizzo just made such a franchise-altering move, though. I would think that maybe a new owner is intending on keeping him for a while. Uh, you know, I would hope if they weren't intending on keeping him, they wouldn't have let him make this trade. Um, in terms of Davey, I don't know. It's really hard to judge him. Obviously, uh, 2019, he did great in terms of uh, the postseason. And, you know, he obviously hasn't probably done that great in other years. So, you know, to me, though, it, it's, this team will be on its third last place finish. It's hard to keep a manager for like a fourth last place finish. Right. You know, so I don't know. I, I my personal opinion, I could see a change there, uh, but is it something I feel passionate about right now? No. Um, I think I'd like to see, I'd like to give him the chance and see what he does uh, with a new group of players. But if there was a change, it wouldn't shock me. Will, do you, do you, I mean, you're, you're a Nets fan. Are you for keeping Davey? You know what I mean? With this new crop of young, influential individuals? I mean, yeah, I'm for, you know, I, I mean, for, for now, yes. I don't think you make any drastic changes right now, especially this late in the season. <coughs> but, um, yeah, I think, you know, he's been given a, a an extension for 2023. I fully expect for the Nationals to honor that contract and him to be the manager for 2023 and start to get this young crop of new nets um, up and going. Now, if we get halfway, you know, if we get halfway through July, excuse, not even July, I mean, if we get through the middle of June next year and, you know, he, he we aren't seeing progress from these guys who are, um, who've kind of been anointed, um, you know, some of the next stars in baseball and, and definitely the top of the net um, farm system, I think Davey would be gone. Wow. Uh, it's wild. Like, you know, so four losing seasons, and it has to take a half a season for him to be gone. You know, that's just crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, we're, one World Series is, you know, very Switzerland won the Super Bowl, so I guess it is what it is. Um, hey, Kev. <laughs> Um, before I let you go, yeah. man, what uh, what do you what do you have featured on TalkNest.com, and how can folks catch you on social media? Uh, yeah, for sure. Thanks as always. I did want to say real quick. Oh, say it. Go ahead, Kev. Uh, we got Keith, time. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keith, go for it. Keith, just for all the people that are depressed, uh, Keith Law and the Athletic did write that this was the biggest prospect call he's ever seen in his life. Yeah. So that's just like something to hope on. Um, but yeah, but so uh, TalkNest. Um, yeah, just TalkNest.com. 
uh, Twitter at TalkNats. Um, obviously, uh, we're going to have featured uh, information on all these prospects. Because <laughs> uh, before I came on tonight, I mean, I, I definitely know some of them, but like yeah. Susanna, I had to look up, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, um, we'll, we'll have all of that, um, you know, but it's going to be fun. It's like... Uh, Good young team. No more BS. We're not going to have to talk about, you know, Scott Boris speak and whether Juan Soto should get $3,000 billion and all that. That's all done. Um, We're going to have a bunch of young players and we're also going to have these players for a while, like five, six, seven years. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot to learn there. Um, So just follow Talk Nats. And then I'm just at K underscore Nibley on Twitter. I'm sure I'll be tweeting about all this uh, in the coming days for sure. And, And thanks as always for having me guys. No, no problem. No, thank and also, you for, for, for accepting the invite to come on and talk baseball with us today, man. Always, man. Always. Oh, always it. a pleasure. We always. I, 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 I do want to read a comment from our friend George. He says, this is one of the worst days in D.C. sports history. A day that will live in infinite, <laughs> infamy. Infamy. Yeah, infamy, excuse me. Yes. So, yeah, George, I feel you, man. Why, do I, why do I get the feeling that you were smiling while you were reading? No, I like Juan Soto. I wanted Juan Soto to stay. stay. No, don't, don't, don't get it twisted. Like, no, I like Juan Soto. I wanted him to stay. I actually did. I, like, I, Soto's one of my favorite Nats players, period. You know what I mean? I thought he would stay, to be honest with you. Um, but it is what it is, man. man. Money. You know what I mean? Money talks. Scott Boris, once he, once he has a number, he wants it. You know what I mean? And uh, But I will say this for the Nats, for Nats fans, to what Kev was talking about. The, the Padres have one of the best farm systems in baseball, and you actually got a bunch of prospects from that system. So, you know, I mean, you, you, you can hit – I mean, I think I like what Mike Rizzo did. I mean, you're not going to get I, I will, fair compensation yeah. like a I player for say, player, but you, yeah. know, you never know. But go, go Kev. Oh, sorry, yeah. Like, uh, I, I do think just to make you feel better, uh, Nats fans, I, last year before the deadline – and that's uh, farm system was 29th or 30th or somewhere like way at the end. And I think after his trade today, it's back in the top 10. Um, so they're doing what they need to be doing, you know? Um, and I do think, again, they will have a lot of money. So, you know, you got a shortstop uh, and Abrams, uh, second baseman and Garcia catcher and Ruiz. That's, those are three hard things to do. Um, and then you have about like four pretty good outfield prospects between the guys they got today. And then, uh, green who they just drafted so it's not all you know you have brady house uh you know could come up at some point they're normal pick last year so it's not all dire it, it, I, I think you know today's a bad day but i think uh in a couple of years uh when they have a big long window and plenty of money to supplement in free agency it'll it'll nats fan will feel a little bit better also will yeah. george also added that will knows wole very well that's what that's what George said. In terms of you saying that I'm, I, I may be laughing while talking, having a smile on my face. I have a slight smile, but it's not like an evil smile or anything. I have a slight smile, but nothing disrespectful to Nets fans. I love Nets fans. You know what I'm saying? They won a World Series. My team hasn't won a World Series since I've been since I've been since, since I've been born. So I don't, I can't, I can't talk any crap. Who am I to talk? You know what I'm saying? Touche. You know, yep. Real talk, man. I'm just being real. So now we got, we got. We got uh, Victor Robles, Luis Garcia, and Cara Keyboom to look forward to. Yo, <laughs> that's a, year. I mean, y'all keep he talking dirty about my man Robles, man. I love Robles. Hopefully, like, this puts no, pressure on. I love Robles. Hopefully, this puts Ro- pressure on Robles to I step up. I love Robles. Real talk. Hopefully, this puts pressure on yeah, him to the step pressure, up. The, the pressure is on him to step up. And, you know, everyone, you know, when he was being scouted, we, you know, everyone said we had this five-tool 
future star yeah. uh-huh. in Victor Robles. Yeah. Yep. So, it's, you know, now the outfield is his. The team is his. For real. You know, yeah. looking at from a talent perspective. So, you know, we'll see what he he's able to do. But Luis Garcia is starting to, you know, oh, turn it on, yeah, play a little bit better. Too. And he can hit, too. He can hit. Yeah. He can hit. You know what I'm saying? So, but hey, Kev, man, thanks for being on. Appreciate you. We'll have you on again, all right? Yeah, that's it. All right, thanks, Absolutely. guys. Yeah, have a good night, man. Have a good one. All right, take care. Take care. Appreciate you, Kev. All right. All right, so let me read this tweet also uh, on Twitter. It was about the Orioles, actually. It said um, about tanking. Wouldn't say tanking. Mancini hurts, but was a smart move holding holding up spots for young guys coming up. Uh, Stowers, in particular, which which um, Josh referenced. Lopez was a smart sell, um, sell high move. Uh, they basically created this. I mean, his value was a journeyman, struggling starter. I think they they think they are they can recreate that role. Yeah, I think Batista could take that role. So, um, it is what it is. But yeah, man, this has been a dope show. Appreciate Kevin being on. It is. Everybody, I appreciate Josh and I appreciate Kevin. Everybody, Both of those man. guys helped helped me. You know, they gave me a lot of information. Um, Kev helped me. You know, come off the ledge. You know. Um, about this team even though as a Nets fan yeah even though it's going to be hard to watch this team but maybe not maybe this team is you know maybe um, they young team yeah uh, real talk maybe if with some managing this team can can do some some surprise some folks you know what I mean like they have talent there you go throwing in the managing I, just I know like, you're being, you know, man, I know you being. Uh, I know I'm being an asshole. It's true. I am. I'm gonna keep it a buck. Yes, like, you are. With the manager thing. Yes, this is a fact. No one's lying about that. I'm just. I saying, know you're like, being facetious with the man. Talking I, about I, the man. I think the, I think, the the man, I think this yeah. team could be much better if the manager was better. To be honest, I I don't think they blow everything up if the manager was better. I think they would be competitive. But that's just me though. Like, but he's a nice guy. So I mean, everybody wants to go with that stuff. That, that thing. He's a nice guy though. He is a nice guy. But sometimes, like, hey. Like four last, like four last place finishes with this team. Not this year. I'm not gonna count this year because this year, like we all, this team is not that talented. But some of them last place finishes. This team was not last place talented. They were beyond last place. So it's there. It's something yeah. to think well, about, knowing that you're gonna have a bunch of young guys um, with this manager. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna need top tier managing to be to be uh, competitive. So if you're not competitive with, say, guys that are high-end talent, then this that's, that could be a serious problem. That's fair. That's a very – as Ray says, I say that's fair um, too much. But no, nah, that's, nah, that's, that's, that's the right that's statement a, to that's have. That's a great point. No, nah, that's a – yeah, no, nah, that, that's, a, that's a great point to make. Um, when you have a, a young team that you think you you know when you have young prospects, uh, you want a guy who will be able to come in and create an atmosphere within that clubhouse and within that dugout uh-huh. to make those guys say, "All right, we need you to produce, but we're not going to put a, a amount of pressure on you, of which course. would make you fold, uh-huh. and we'll give you the opportunity to learn and make your mistakes." Yeah, I agree with that. I mean. I mean, people always make, you know, they always say that I mention this dude a, a lot, but, yo, there's a reason why Dusty Baker gets young players the ball, man. There's a reason. There's a reason, man. Michael A. Taylor. But on the flip. Helped that kid out. No, go ahead. Michael, he helped Michael A. Taylor get confident. So, I'm just telling he, you, like, there's a reason he why. He really Dusty, did. 
There's the reason why people like Dusty are good managers. But go ahead, Will. What you about to say? But on the flip side, though, man, how exciting is it going to be to watch the Padres? I know, I know, baseball is no. I thought about this, Will. Will, I thought now. about this, bro. I thought about that, dog. The Padres are stacked. Like for you, the next couple years, you're going to have yeah, yeah. You're going to have Soto probably batting two, Tatis batting three, and Manny Machado batting four. Golly, bro, like, it's going to be exciting talking about, to watch that like, team. And talking about. A bad if, dude. If you can't win with that lineup, bro. If if you still like, we man. I know the Dodgers are stacked. The Dodgers stay stacked. But if you ain't competing with the Dodgers, that's a. I'm talking about bad managing. I'm sorry, that's bad managing. Like that team. You you have Machado, Soto, and Tatis. Tatis come back next. Just speak. Let's let's talk about next year. Like you're gonna have all those dudes on your roster. If you're not competing for the World Series, then you're not doing a great job. You better make the postseason at least. At least make the postseason. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I be contending. You should be contending. You should for be contending. You should be. You know, I get that the Nets. I mean, the, the Dodgers are stacked. And they got the money to kind of keep to stay that stay at that spot. But nah, like you should still be competing with them. And if you don't get that spot, you should be getting the first wild card spot. Like that's how that's that's how much talent you have on that lineup alone. Nah, I'm with you, Will. Like, Absolutely. oh man, that team should be fun to watch. Hey, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Tune In, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, follow us on Twitter at Urban Sports Scene, IG at Urban Sports Scene, and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Don't forget to subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. Check out the home of the Urban Sports Scene, Empire Media, at AmpireMedia.com. And this show can be found on Podcast DC. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Amplifier shows, as well as well as other great content. Hey man, thank you all for listening. Want to pre- appreciate the homie Josh and Kev for being on the show. We appreciate y'all. Anyway, you've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene. For ages. Yiddick. Deuces. Hey Mega. Empire Media. Oh, go ahead. That's AmpireMedia.com. My man, A Mega, lead us out, big homie.